Hi, I'm Dan Scarborough with Data Centre Hawk. I'm here today with Michael Winterson, Managing Director, Equinix Services, Jens Peter Friedner, Managing Director of Equinix in Germany, and we're talking about data centres in Europe. Focus on cloud, location, data center industry, trends, and dynamic market. So first of all, thank you very much for joining me today, gentlemen. Um, I'm sat here with Michael Winterson and Jens Peter Fiedner. Um, uh, Michael is the Managing Director for Equinix based in the UK, and, uh, and Jens is, is Managing Director for the German market. Thanks a lot, gentlemen, for, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. So we're just going to cover a few things, um, and I'm going to touch on some European trends that we're, we're, we're seeing as Data Center Hawk. I just wanted to get your feedback on it. Um, I mean, the, the obvious one, which I know is, is, is on the headlines now, is, is COVID and, you know, how you've seen your business change um, since March from both the demand, operational and development perspective. Michael, maybe you could take this one. The, the first thing is that I'm starting to realize how human we all are in, the, in a COVID world with Zoom calls. And I know that sounds silly, but... Um, uh, certainly, probably the biggest issue for Equinix and for our customers is how massively difficult it has been to transition to a socially distanced world from, from the very way that we're having this interview to actually how our customers are operating in data centers. Um, you know, I just can't sing praises enough for most of our customers who have been so willing to deal with things like uh, slightly tighter access rights to data centers to ensure that the data center itself doesn't get locked down for coronavirus. That's probably been the biggest physical change. Um, we typically have 2000 visitors a day um, across sites. And so um, to, to have that going, I think we're back up to that number now, but now they're all scheduled and they're all planned and they're all booked in advance. And so that's a big change. But the other one that's important is the need to rapidly shift network. The, the, when you go to virtual meetings and working from home, networks have had to adopt quick. And so the, the two winners in this game are networks who've been able to use co-location, not just Aquanex, but you know, we're, we're one of the players in that, to build up changes to their physical network at the port and cross-connect level. But it's the software-defined network players that we're speaking to that are that have been taking the lion's cake of the benefits. Um, they're they're all able to scale and adapt their networks real time. And and from a demand perspective, I know you know Equinix. You've got your uh, the X uh, the hyperscale sites, the joint venture you did with GIC, but you also yeah. service kind of enterprise customers, and you've got the network side of things. Are you seeing demand increasing across the board, or is it predominantly driven by the the hyperscale customers. So you, you, you've caught us at a good time. Uh, we just published our quarterly numbers. Um, it allows us to speak a bit more openly about the past. <clears throat> so we've now got nine months worth of data from, from the coronavirus. The, the reality is we're hitting our numbers. Um, so I, I, my feeling is, and, and this is something we've noticed the previous two quarters as well, is that there are customers that are accelerating um, projects, digital transformation projects, network optimization projects, cloud projects, and there are customers who are slowing them down. And the two are, seem to be so far for Equinix netting each other off. So still just as busy as before, um, but it seems to be 
slightly more optimization type projects. Um, some customers are putting long shot projects on a slightly slower path. Okay. And what, what about from a, a German perspective, Jens? I mean, I know that, I mean, even if you just take the absorption in Frankfurt, it seems to be, you know, out of control, but maybe in a controlled manner, if that makes any sense. But what, how, how are things going from a Frankfurt perspective? Is most of that absorption that you're seeing predominantly driven by the cloud providers or is there a mix of consumption that you're seeing? It's a good mix. I mean, the cloud providers won't come if they won't have customers who consume their service, right? And they're not, they're not consuming space just to have it. Um, Michael described it pretty well. Um, pretty much every enterprise saw uh, the last few months that they had to digitize, even though they were maybe a little bit more shy, uh, not reluctant, that would be too hard, but shyer to do something. So they speed this up uh, and everybody else went on at a certain path, a little bit down, a little bit up. So that gave a good mix. And that is, that is what you can see in the market before Corona already. Um, companies in Germany were not the most digitized ones. So they were on that first pass, which goes along with the cloud adoption. And this has been triggered the last nine months where pretty much every company saw if we hadn't done anything digital, we have to do now. And, and, and we're seeing a lot of kind of leases taking place before, you know, buildings are even built, right? Um, you know, if, and we're also getting views about kind of land availability, power availability in Frankfurt. Is there enough capacity in Frankfurt to meet demand whilst that kind of power infrastructure comes online? Or how, how do you see the kind of availability uh, in Frankfurt specifically uh, versus the demand? Well, it's like in, in any other major metro where you are more closer to the city center than just in the outskirts. Um, that land scarcity is, is just a fact, uh, but not just for data centers, but of course for everything who wants to build something, even if it's an office building. Um, there is, uh, all of the operators have secured uh, enough run rate. Uh, if we look at ourselves, um, we have a dual campus strategy in the west and the northeast, uh, our bigger Clio campus in the west and, and the Frankfurt 2 bigger campus in the northeast. Uh, we have some announcements of expansion, we have run rate there. So there's, there's enough capacity there to meet demands. Um, the pre-leases is just a sign, which is a good sign for investors that uh, nobody's building uh, without having demand out there. Do you think, I mean, we're hearing a lot of um, kind of additional capacity that's coming online or being required in kind of tier two markets. So, um, you know, Berlin or Warsaw or these other locations. Do you feel like that? that some of that capacity would historically have been in the in Frankfurt? Do you feel like some of the capacity that's going into the tier two markets is going there because of the demand and the, 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 the way that these tier one markets are developing? It is, it is not so much a move. It is more an expansion um, into those edge markets. Um, I and mean, we just recently opened Hamburg. Uh, we're, we're in Germany now. In Hamburg, in Düsseldorf, Frankfurt, Munich, so you have this this north to south line, um, and it's it's you have to be where the ecosystems are, right? Hamburg has a very vital uh, hundreds of years commercial industry, um, chemical, pharmaceutical, logistics. I mean, which is obvious if you have a harbor. So those companies are also on their way of digitizing, and they haven't looked at Frankfurt. Also, Frankfurt is of course the hotspot of data centers. So going to Hamburg does not take away from Frankfurt. It's more an addition to Frankfurt. You build an ecosystem in the north, connect it to the south, where you have your wider digital ecosystem, where a logistics company that sits in the north connects with a 
distributor or an e-commerce company that sits in the Frankfurt data center. So it's more yeah. this connection to the edge uh, of the country. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't know how much of it is based in fact, but, you know, quite the conversation, a lot of the conversations I've been having sees that um, Frankfurt or Germany is one of the preferred landing uh, destinations for Asian capacity. Have you seen a, a lot of Asian capacity coming into Germany versus some of the other kind of European markets? Well, it's, it's hard for me to comment on the other European markets, so uh, Michael might, might expand that answer. But in uh, Germany, yes, we do. Um, I mean, a lot of the companies are coming to us, um, but also having building actually their own smaller footprints in the Frankfurt market. Um, so it might be because it's a central country and because there's good uh, commercial relationships beyond the digital industry and in the pure manufacturing, exporting, importing industry, that this is, this is driving them as a footprint there. And then they, of course, can benefit from the good uh, digital growth that we have in Frankfurt as a hub. What would you say on that, Michael? Are you seeing a lot of Asian capacity coming into the other locations for Equinix? Um, no, I think, I think JP's got it right. I think we're seeing that Frankfurt is a, a, an interesting access to Europe in a way that um, a lot of the Mideast traffic seems to be landing in Marseille and then up through Paris, where a way a lot of the American traffic has been landing in Dublin, the UK and Amsterdam. I think Germany seems to have that little cachet, which is great. Um, but I think it's again, the issue of edge, it's land and then eventually expand. Anybody who is anybody in the service provider space has got to have a multi-city strategy um, the core and then sort of uh, an edge or maybe even multiple layers of edge, depending on how you define it. I mean, I was going to ask you about your edge strategy. I know that when we, you know, when we have spoken in the past, I know that, you know, you guys have got, uh, you're expanding into multiple different locations. I know there are certain locations that you're not in yet in, in, in Europe, um, like, you know, Belgium, Den Denmark, Norway, but how, how does the, the plan for Equinix, um, from an edge and, a, and digital locations? How do those two things integrate? Do you see them being, them being complementary or, or two separate strategies? So I think for us, um, one of the realizations we've made and we've spoken about, and some people might find a bit surprising, is if you actually look at Equinix, we've actually been an edge data center operator since we began. Um, the, whole, the whole point of, of the Equinix strategy back when it was just an American business was to deliver seven interconnection points across North America to telecommunication networks who typically were doing single network to network interfaces either in Washington or in California. So already we delivered a huge latency reduction just by deploying the Equinix interconnection model in, uh, in North America. The European market's very similar. If you, if you look at what interaction uh, Telecity before it became part of Equinix, what IX Europe was doing, we were trying to provide city coverage, which allowed people sub 20 millisecond access to the most to most of Europe. So all that's happening now is that 20 millisecond access is adequate, but next generation applications are pushing for, well, what if we get to sub 10 millisecond latency? And unfortunately that's an exponential growth in Metro coverage. And, you know, that's a huge capital uh, uh, demand. So we're taking this very, very conservatively and adding cities when they make sense based off of GDP or, or specific customer interest. 
But I, I do see in the long run uh, global coverage to most of the world's GDP in about 10 milliseconds latency. Yeah. So, so I know that the, you know, from what we've seen, the competition in Europe seems to be heating up and there are kind of lots of different new entrants coming into the market. Um, you know, how do you see the demand? Do you think there's enough demand to go around? Do you think there are barriers for, 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 um, for, for these new operators? What, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know, JP, how easy is it to maintain inventory in Germany? Well, I would say uh, we're in a favorite situation that there's enough demand. Um, I think the the point of what you asked on the new entries, I mean, people wouldn't wouldn't enter a market if there's not enough demand. Everybody everybody looks of where to invest the dollars, right? I mean, even if if money might be cheap and it's a good industry to invest, you still don't want to lose money. So um, that proves that there's enough demand. What might be a benefit for uh, the long-term operators like us and, and others in the colo business um, compared to the new entrants is the name, the brand, and the service that we can prove that we delivered over the past, especially for companies in the enterprise industry um, that are new to digitizing, that are new to co-location and, and uh, data center operators. They want a reliable partner. Companies that are forever in the industry, like the networks, they know everybody and they know they can deal with new people as well because they dealt with them in North America. But enterprise in Europe, they want a strong, reliable partner with proven track record. So it might be a little hurdle for new entrants, um, but uh, let's see. I think the demand overall is very good. So nobody might starve. Good. Yeah, good. I think that's actually a really good point, uh, uh, JP, in that, in that the service provider community is very, very, very well versed in acquiring and using data center services. The, for us, where we started targeting about six or seven years ago uh, was the idea of cloud aggregation using our cloud exchange fabric and, and then taking that to enterprises and saying, look, you can connect to clouds directly here. It's secure. You, you take it off the internet so you can run a direct connection. It's fast. You can write your own API stack. You can do whatever you want. What that meant for us is going to enterprises and saying, here's how you can deploy a very secure, very high performant network to connect to cloud. Um, I think JP's right. They, they want someone who can provide them a repeatable solution around the world. So global helps and they want someone that they can trust and they want someone who has the technical expertise to walk them through something they may never, never done before. So we started investing six years ago in our global solution architect program. And I think we're up to well over 150 really professional uh, solution architects that we've pulled in both from the IT community and the networking community to help customers rebuild and re-architect how they interconnect cloud. That, that, so it, does, it almost doesn't matter how many data centers we have, that service is what's winning the enterprise accounts. Yeah, that's interesting. And the, the data center is just a byproduct of delivering uh, the service that they're after, right? To understand how they transition into the cloud. That was a, a navel gazing exercise we used several years ago where I think we were being challenged by two things. One, lots of new entrants, easy access to capital, easy to build a data center. Uh, and two, um, what if everybody migrates to the cloud? What, what's left for Equinix to fight over? 
And when we looked at it, we realized it wasn't the data center that mattered. What mattered is engaging customers on how they build these next generation networks using what we call interconnection. Um, now, all data center operators provide interconnection. All data center operators have uh, cross connects and or they have a peering solution or whatever. But we've actually made interconnection the first purpose and the data center just happens to be the thing that keeps the water out. How do you deal with kind of regions that you're not, you don't like uh, Africa and Russia where you, I mean, maybe don't have a, a presence from a physical data center perspective. How do you deal with that, that from a, a meeting those demands for your customers? The, the same way that JP had to use to defend whether or not we go to Hamburg. Um, so ultimately as JP looks at the edge in Germany, the company's also looking at what's the edge around the world. Yeah. Um, we want a solution in Russia, but there are issues around the way data is dealt with legally that make us worried. It took us, it took us years to get our Indian solution. We finally have one, at least we have a foothold. Um, we've, we've had an Africa strategy now for four or five years, but our conservatism has just made it very difficult for us to execute on things that were either just far too risky or where we were unsure we could deliver the service clients would be expecting from us. Um, mark my words, Africa is very high on our list. Okay, but just got one final question, which is a subject that as dear to my heart is the, this kind of sustainability side of things. And I know that the German environmental ministry recently released their latest study of the sustainability of data centers. And they're looking at introducing mandatory carbon footprint for operators in Germany and an energy pass. And there's certain people that think that because Germany is running the, um, the commission at the minute, that if it's made mandatory in German, Germany, it could be mandatory from a pan-European perspective. And I know Michael with your EU DCA hat on, I know you're pretty close to this, but just, you know, Jens, what, what are you got? Are you seeing this come through into the German market? This kind of, I can't remember the act, the acronym is K2 something or another. Are you seeing the sustainability being increasingly, you know, important to your customers and you as a business within, within Germany? Not, not just in Germany. Uh, and Michael can elaborate further on, on the EU piece, but it'll start from Germany. I mean, we see that already since years. And it's not just an aspect customer, it's also close to our heart on sustainability. If, if you look at what Equinix did, our uh, self-commitments to be 100% to be green, and we reached a good, uh, good over 90% already at last year, and um, which is always a little bit washed out with acquisitions. If we look at Germany specifically, I mean, we're in the seventh year of being 100% uh, on green power, and it's really out of green sources, not any certificates or anything. We're, we're working together with the, with the local uh, municipalities because there's a very local thing, even though you might have a, a federal guidance, that's a very local thing on waste heat recovery and things like that. So there's a lot of effort done within the country already um, where we are maybe even ahead of what is asked of the industry um, as, as a single provider. And um, while we still work on that on a, on a European scale, scheme together with the other operators, what Michael elaborate, the customers coming in um, are asking for sustainability are often the American uh, big hyperscalers, uh, which have it on their agenda as well. And for those, we have very good arguments to join us because we're that much advanced. 
Okay, and how does that reflect in the rest of Europe, Michael, this kind of zero carbon or move towards uh, 2030 and, and the European commitments for um, transitioning? The, the yeah, so I, I, I'm going to answer this not on a country by country basis, but literally just what we're seeing in Brussels. So the commission has been in the history of the career of our chief lobbyist in the European Data Center Association, who is decidedly older than I am. Um, he's never seen the commission this busy. Um, the amount of legislation that's going to be precipitated from the two white papers, the European Green New Deal and Europe Fit for the Digital Age are huge. When I say fit for the digital age, there's a specific sector in there where the European Commission wants the ICT uh, sector in Europe to be entirely sustainable um, and carbon neutral by 2030, not by 2050. So legislation is going to be proposed next year. We will see it and it will be European wide and it will probably be based off of the best of what other countries are doing. Okay. And, and that's something that I'm assuming you guys, given your advanced look at this type of issue are, are preparing yourselves for. So, I'm confident uh, through the European Data Center Association, I deal with most of our major competitors. Uh, I'm actually very confident that the industry as a whole is not going to have a problem hitting these targets. Cool, cool. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to, um, to chat with me today. Um, I'm hoping that our audience enjoys uh, the conversation as much as I have. And um, yeah, so uh, we will catch up again soon, I'm sure. Thank, thank you. you.